Hi, I'm Tina Desiree Berg, and welcome to The 34. And this week on the District 34 podcast, I have in studio with me Pat Cody, a.k.a. Pat the Burner, a.k.a. Peter Douche. <laughs> Just call me Douche. It's the normal thing. Okay. And then um, his partner that they're working on a new podcast with, which we'll talk about in a second, Lila. Welcome, you guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Okay. So, first off, tell us a little about the new podcast you started. Why did you start it? What is the impetus of the, of the show? Are you focused on, obviously, progressive politics? But are you taking the viewpoint of an activist, um, guest interview? Tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing. All right. We started it because we enjoyed each other online. And we'd never met in person until just this weekend, which is so crazy. But it's super fun and to right. meet you in person also. And thank you for having us. Um, you know, yes, we're both obviously like lefty political people. But also I think one of the um, things that we both kind of cling to is trying to find some thing to highlight in this bleak atmosphere. And so while we do talk about the news of the week and progressive policies and the absolute nightmare of our current situation, we also um, are trying to bring not levity to a serious situation, but like just to the hour where we're hanging out so that the people who are watching can also feel like maybe a little bit of a breather. We tend to drink too much. <laughs> Tend to? Tend to drink too so much. You, we intentionally drink, drink You're drinking too much. while you are podcasting? I did not know that. It's, it's, uh, legal. it's legal in some states. It's legal? Yeah. Yes. yeah. And when I'm dieting, I'm also doing edibles because, you know, keto. Right. I'm trying not to, not to get too much deep, yeah. too no. deep into that bottle of wine. Yep. So exactly. I, I mean, the, the, the key to me is I, I try to put myself in the viewer's perspective. And I think there are a lot of really heavy programs. I think we're looking at... Bernie's movement is largely disenfranchised. Uh, electoral politics, a lot of people just don't believe in that anymore. And so we're, I think we're trying to use comedy a little bit to, to still educate people as if they're watching their standard kind of podcast, but uh, for people that just need a little something not so depressing. Yeah. And we're, we're trying to focus more a little in the future on... Uh, direct action more than okay. probably electoral politics. Like we're going to try, try to cover the protests, try to give some people, Strikes, people right. something positive that's happening in the world, not just like Nina's a sellout and Bernie's a sellout or, you know. Well, I want to actually, let's talk about that for a second so, because there's, there's definitely a fracture that's happening in progressive politics. There's definitely a fracture that's happening among, um, I think, left-wing activists. Mm -hmm. That fracture is surrounding whether or not certain politicians are sellouts or not. Right. So I'm of the ilk, uh, especially as a journalist, I think that nobody's protected and that you should be able to criticize any politician for anything that they do. 100%. At the same time, however, I think there's nuance involved there. Sometimes I think a lot of these politicians are looking to get elected, which is not always... Um, you know, you have to understand, when you have a mandate to govern, when you represent a district, for example, if you're a congressperson, you don't only represent the, you know, 40% of people that you agree with, perhaps voted for you, for you, whatever else. You represent everybody from that district, so there's an obligation there to listen to what everybody has to say and then make a decision. Having said that, um, oftentimes what they've decided is who they listen to is the donor class. I don't think that's up for debate. And then the other side of that is if you perhaps take a, a position that, that might be viewed as too extreme by certain fractions of, of the uh, con constituency, 
you're not going to get elected or reelected. Right. So sometimes it requires nuance. Sometimes it requires um, compromise. compromise. Right. That's just politics. That's just um, democracy. So it, I'm going to go. Oh, well, I just want to say ahead. it does require nuance, but at the same time. Uh, if something was in their campaign when they ran, then they made the calculation that that for their voters in that yeah. constituency, this was a safe landing spot. Oh, I agree spot. with you there. That's, that's um, true. So, so when the public criticizes them on, the, on those issues, pushes them to, to yeah. fulfill their campaign promises, it actually helps their cause. Yeah. It gives them mm-hmm. more um, more back backing because look we, they can say the democratic party i gotta like to do this these are my people and they're angry they're they're mad not yeah. like they're really happy we're compromising on the compromise of the compromise that's right so there's two things here i agree with you there if you made yeah. a campaign promise and you're not fighting for that campaign promise criticism 100 percent, right. all bets are off that's wrong um, i'm talking about some folks that want politicians that are running for office to take really extreme positions that would make them unelectable in that can election. you give an example Sorry, I'm just wondering because my, yeah, I think yeah. the the obvious uh, defund the police. I wasn't going to say one that, but candidate. That is. One candidate ran on that, and she won. Yeah, and that was Cory Bush. So I feel a little bit like that's a straw man, and I feel like also if you don't love the language of it, and I think a lot of I will say that when I first heard it, I was a little um, baffled by the messaging, but then the more I listened to the people who were talking about it and who were the activists who had come up with that slogan. I felt like there are two things I can do. I can sit here and criticize it and tell them how they should, you know, sort of tone police and how they should phrase it differently. Or I can try to explain what the actual policy behind that, what it would look like. And that is actually incredibly popular. So as a white privileged person of a certain age, I feel like it's beholden on me to explain to some people who maybe take offense at what that is, which, by the way, we defend education, we defend infrastructure, we defend healthcare, like we defund, sorry, not defend, defund, yeah. right? Everybody's fine with that. So I, I understand what you're saying. I'd like to just go back to... I would to, say oh, yeah. that's not probably the best example. Okay, it sorry. Is a example. I brought up the example and then, and then was like, no, but it doesn't I would say, sorry. Okay, so I, I agree with you on defund the police. Yeah. Obviously, when you have the LAPD taking 54% of the city budget, 54%, the, there's a couple problems here. It, I, a, that's ridiculous, right. especially when you look at their their uh, close rate of serious crime is less than 10%. Yeah. All right, so it's very dismal. Right. They're obviously not uh, preventing crime as well. They need there are money. things that that's would why. make... Well, it's because <laughs> we've, put things, we've put things into the yeah. budget that don't necessarily belong there. I would say one of them is sanitation services for homelessness. Why right. is that part of the LAPD budget? Right. Because they're right. sending LAPD officers to do a job that they're not suited for. Right. So this is definitely a conversation we need to have. And right. I think once it explained where these uh, activists are coming from, that makes sense. I would say the bigger one is, uh, we talked about this offline uh, yesterday, yeah. Israel-Palestine is a big one. Yeah. So this is obviously a very touchy conversation for a lot of people. Right. It's a foreign policy nightmare. Right. Um, and in many respects, it's a no-win conversation. It really right. is. So. That would be a different example. So if uh, you had mentioned to me, I don't remember which politician we were talking about, if they had come out and said uh, Israel does not have a right to exist. That's a, that they is a dead right. position. Right. You're never going to win an election. Right. I think we can all agree on like that. Like Marianne Williamson, I think we were Marianne talking about Williamson, right. yeah. But I, well, here's She's, the difference is I think that compromise is different from corruption. Oh, and 100%. I think, right. And so you're. I'm not going to agree 100% with any politician or any person. And I think... There are times that people are going to disappoint us, even the ones that we love the most or have the most respect for. That, to me, is different from 
making a calculation based on what's going to happen when you leave office mm-hmm. and that you're going to get some cushy lobbyist job or some think tank job or an MSNBC job. So, you know, I look at somebody like Bernie Sanders, who, you know, again, like I know we are all really sad and a little deflated about everything that happened, but he's pretty outspoken about what's going on in Israel, not as far left or left, right, but not as, is not maybe as um, strident as some Palestinian activists would want him to be, but he's one of the more vocal. Oh, I agree. Right? And he's, and he's moved quite a bit, let's be honest, he has moved he has. quite a bit yeah. to the left on this, and the reason that is the case is because he listens to his constituents. Yeah. You can go back and look at some of his town halls uh, from when he was mayor, and he brings up the topic, and his constituents is like, Bernie, that's not acceptable. Yeah. You're basically ignoring the plight of the Palestinians. Yeah. And so he's now is like, yeah, this is not, this is apartheid. We need to fix some of this right. stuff. So, you know, but again, these are just examples of why it's, it's, in my opinion, critical to have a nuanced conversation yes. when it comes to these things. Because it's not so, uh, it's not so superficial necessarily. Right. But, and to speak up and not, you know, I think there's a lot of gatekeeping on the liberal left, not on the real left, where they don't want us to criticize the squad or Bernie or anybody because that's going to hurt their cause. And to me, that only helps them. That's what we're there for. So by what this group, I would say, these are dyed-in-the-wool partisan Democrats that think the party can't, they they believe the party does nothing wrong. And this is the same thing when it comes to dyed-in-the-wool strident GOP members, right? Yeah. Party, it's you get into this team sports almost yeah. mentality. I think that's very unhealthy for democracy. So I agree with you there. All right, I'm going to now go through a list of politicians, <laughs> for um, <sure>. and you <laughs> fraud, 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 fraud. <laughs> I haven't even named one yet. I'm going to go through a list of politicians and candidates, and I'm going to have you guys say sellout or not a sellout, and then give me like you know oh, a wow. two three sentence as to why you think wow. that. Okay. Okay. Ready. Starting with you, Lila. Okay. Bernie Sanders. Not a sellout. Why? I think that he has been basically saying the same thing for 40 years. And I know a lot of people say, well, he hasn't got anything accomplished in Congress, which also, can I swear on the show? Yes. We know that's bullshit, right? Of course he has. There's a whole list. And, and Warren Gunnels, one of my favorites, right? And the chief of receipts has lists and lists of things. That so he for has. people yeah. that don't know who Warren Gunnels is, he is uh, Bernie Sanders' longtime chief of staff. He's been with Bernie over 20 years. And he is a policy hawk yeah. and absolutely one of the most brilliant minds in politics and in foreign policy, Agreed. if you ask me. Okay, Absolutely. On. And has a list of, you know, there's a reason Bernie's called the Amendment King. Yeah. And he got in there and he does work across the aisle. So all of the, you know, criticisms that were lobbed at him in, during the primaries were complete smear jobs and dishonest. I think he actually really cares about these policies and works really hard for them. And and the fact that, you know, when he can't accomplish them, he can't be responsible for everyone else's corruption, right? Like that to me is such a false um, criticism of him. What, one man is supposed to take care of everything. We can't even, you know, the same people who say, well, what has he ever accomplished are going to bat defending Joe fucking Biden, who's caved on every single one of his policy promises. Right. So... That's what I would say. I love the man. Okay. Ah, you have your Bernie shirt on. I have my Bernie shirt on again. I have no Bernie shirt. Pat Cody. It's AOC. Is she a sellout or not? You gave me the one I was thinking about. How would I answer that? Um, (laughs) Because I am one of the last people to call some of these people sellouts. But lately, I do feel like AOC is a bit of a sellout. Okay. I'm not going to lie. Okay. I mean, her public... Okay, so... 
the the new wave of politicians, the idea is that they fundraised off the left, and even though her race is local to New York, she got national funding for all these things. Her own campaign pledge was to force a vote for Medicare for all, not to bring everything back to force the vote. But when public pressure was put on her for that, she said, well, the reason we we don't really want to use this tactic now is that we want to save it for something doable, like, you know, actually something we can achieve, like the $15 minimum wage or leadership positions for people in the squad um, in the Senate and the House. And she they didn't get any of those leadership positions. Uh, they didn't fight for $15 minimum wage added to the bill. So can you really blame people? Like, I'm not going to call her a fraud. I don't really think she's a fraud. I think she's incredibly disappointing. Um, And to tie it into the Bernie answer, you know, I don't think Bernie's a sellout. I think Bernie's in a position now where he, he can't be the Bernie we want all the time because he is in a compromised position as the budget chair. So that brings more disappointment to me on AOC because she is the one who can step up to be sort of the Bernie of, of the next generation. I mean, granted, she's, she's in Congress, not uh, the Senate, so she doesn't quite have the power that, that Bernie would I, there. I would argue, though, that they have a key role in this when it goes into reconciliation. Any number of those Congress people could put their foot down and hold a vote, and it would force it to go back to the Senate for renegotiation. Yes. So I would argue that we are right now, this is my two cents, we're in a game of chicken constantly. Mm-hmm. Who's right. winning this game of chicken is Cinema and Joe Manchin. Hello. Only because... <laughs> See? Only because... She's decided I'm right. This is how This is how every show you decide who's correct. Our girl Hypatia. She's so My sweet um, dog. Um, yeah. But I think that, that because Joe Manchin and Cinema are willing to say no, that, that's it. That automatically gives them a, a position of strength. That's right. right. Um, and I think we've seen a few examples of this. They're playing a little bit more hardball now when it comes uh, to the uh, spending bill, right. which is interesting to see. We'll see how that plays out. But until they're really ready to put their foot down and lay it all on the line, yeah, the the, the three conservative Democrats right. that might as well be part of the GOP are going to continue to control yeah. everything. I also blame Biden administration for that because they could at any time whip the party. 100%. 100% oh, they don't even try. They, they don't working, even like For them right. to, to blame the parliamentarian at the beginning of the year was the most ridiculous thing yeah. I've ever heard. Yeah. But can I so, just add one thing about the AOC? Bernie's been in Congress now for, what, 20 years? He's earned it. How many times has he been invited to the Met Gala? And the reason he hasn't been is because they're not comfortable having him in their space. Those people. No, of course not. And they were comfortable having her there. And to me, that's a real indication uh-huh. of something. I like her. I'm not a fraud squad person. I just think she is. she's constantly being worked at, as every member of Congress is, from the donor class and Wall Street and all these awful, disgusting people. And I think she maybe doesn't have the fortitude yet to push back. I don't think she ever I, will if you want my two cents. Okay. Just so. real quick. I feel like she's... I've come to this conclusion recently that I think she's making a, a long-term career calculation on her positions now to work within the party because... She is seeing herself as presidential potentially down the road. Yeah, and that's I, not happening. I hear a lo- what you're it's a long haul from there, but I, I really think that that might be coming into play a little bit now. She has zero chance yeah. of ever being president. Um, I'll tell you right now, I, I don't even have to call her a sellout. I don't think she's strong enough. Yeah. I, 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 think, I agree with you. I also think 
she worries too much about what people think of her. Yeah. And you cannot do that if you're going to be a convicted politician. Bernie Sanders is that guy because he he's, remains true to his principles. Yep. That's his guiding yep. light. I think another example of AOC being incredibly embarrassing was her answer on Israel, on Israel and Palestine. Yeah. If yeah. you listen to that answer, Micro, she macro? says <laughs> yeah. she says absolutely nothing. Like yeah. it's the most no, it's cringy horrible. thing I have ever heard in my life. Extreme I- Jewish community supports the establishment of two states for two peoples as the most sustainable and achievable means of providing justice as well as human and democratic rights. Both the Jewish people and the Palestinian people have a right to self determination. So, what actions do you think? can be taken to support movements towards peace, uh, both between Israelis and Palestinians, as well as within the entire region, such as uh, the Abraham Accords. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, earlier just now, you and I were, were, were talking about the what and the how. Yes. And I think that when we talk about establishing peace, um, centering people's humanities, protecting people's rights, it's it's not just about the what and the the end goal, which often gets a lot of focus. Um, But I actually think it's much more about the how and the way that we are coming together and how we are, how we interpret that what and how we act uh, in, you know, the actions that we take to get to that what. And so what this really is about is that it's a question more than anything else about process. And so we really need to make sure that Um, that we are valuing a process where all parties are respected and have, you know, a lot of equal um, opportunity to really make sure that we are negotiating good faith, et cetera. That being said, you know, I think that there's there's just this one central issue of um, of settlements, because if we if the what if the what that has been decided on is to state, then the action of settlements is in. It's not the how to get to that what. And so, you know, I think that that's a central thing that we need to make sure that um, we center and that we value um, Jewish and and rather we value Israeli, um, uh, uh, we value the, the, the safety and, and the human rights of Israelis. We value the safety and the human rights of Palestinians in that process that is similar and that uh, on, on um, equal footing. And so all of that is extremely important in that process. Um, and, you know, I, when, I, when I first saw that, I was like, right. wow, yeah. that is so bad. On her worst and days, then, she comes across as a, an Instagram influencer. Yeah, yeah. It was a very yeah. She can be brilliant sometimes, too. It was uneducated. It was clear she was trying to both sides yeah. the argument, but you absolutely cannot, yeah. cannot both right. sides. Yeah. It's absolutely. really that straight up. Agree. And you have to be willing to take some heat when you take a position yeah. on that. You have yes. to be. All right. So Rashid Tlaib, Lila. Okay. I love her. I really do. I think she's closer to the Bernie model. I think she is She is not afraid of getting hauled out of wherever she was when she was saying impeach the motherfucker. We're going to go in I there. I think that her stance on Palestine, obviously, is much more in line with what the left feels like clearly and it should be i love that she had you know the uh i don't say the balls the vagina to stand up for bernie and like ally herself with him by the way i will say that so did so did aoc but i think that might be for different reasons but anyway um yeah no i'm, I'm a big fan of rashida Tlaib. okay 
Pat, I'm gonna let you comment on this one too. Yeah, to me, she's the strongest squad member. I she's mean, the strongest squad member. I would yeah. agree with you on that. I think yeah. that's a good assessment. All right, what? Corey Bush, Pat. I, I believe in Corey Bush too. I, I'm a fan. I think she. I really hope she finds her activist voice and keeps it. And she's had real signs of that. I know the uh, the Capitol march where they they uh, the housing the sleepover the sleepover. <laughs> I'm joking. She got a lot of criticism for that from the left, and that's where I I kind of push back on that because she she did do something. I mean, she did lead the charge at the Capitol steps to fight for the eviction moratorium to be extended. And granted, as always, it was a half measure. It was a uh, but she she forced Joe Biden to act and. She was able to garner enough media attention that he had to do something, which, if nothing else, is a black eye on Biden, that he had to respond to something so clearly something he should have done. That they were going to just allow happen. They were just going to quietly go on vacation and Nancy Pelosi and Congress were just going to let 11 million people be evicted. Right. No, it was bad. It was bad. All right. So I want to actually move towards some, because we're District 34, we're about California politics. All right. You are both Californians. Yeah. So I want to move on to some California politicians. Um, so obviously not sellouts because I think all of these individuals have never really been on the uh, on the same level as the squad would be considered if you're a progressive voter, right? But California, you know, is is supposedly a very blue state. Blue, I'm going to yeah. use my square scale yeah. quotes here. Yeah. But the reality is the vast majority of the California Democratic party is pretty conservative and if they are very socially progressive members they still are uh pandering to wealthy elites in the state right. you know uh, nancy pelosi's district that is a tough that is a tough district to crack because the average salary in that is almost 170,000 right. a year so right. this is a very wealthy district right so it's really tough to um really change the nature of the politics in the state because we do have a lot of wealthy individuals that see themselves as progressive and they're not there for the working rights. Right. All right, so let's talk about Gavin Newsom. Sell uh, out. No. I would say he's not even I just think he was never a progressive, even though some people Correct. tag him on that. So this is a guy that is responsible for uh, more oil and fracking wells in the state yeah. than any governor right. we had previously. Right. Um, in 2020, he had doubled the permits they gave out. Last year, he, they're back, I think, you know, around 70% less than they were in 2020. But that's sort of a strange metric to be targeting because in 2020, he literally doubled them from the previous year. It's so, climate denialism. Yeah. So, climate, like, first of all, I do have to say that you are who you lie down with. And the fact that he was married to somebody who's now with a Trump, you know, I don't know anybody who would spend a moment with somebody that repulsive. And he was married to her. And the fact who was this individual? Um, Name you know, names. Kimberly Guilfoyle, who spoke at the RNC. Do you remember she had that, like, drunken... Wait, Gavin Newsom was married, married to this disgusting atrocity of a woman. So that shows When was you, that? 
there's a, there's a fantastic. I guarantee we, uh, the reason I'm asking all these questions. I guarantee most people do not know this information, and it's interesting that you bring this up. Yeah. Google it because here's what you're going to find. Do do a Google, do Google, Google it. the '90s, I believe. Don't Google it. Do a Firefox. Or oh a yeah, yeah. A DuckDuckGo DuckDuckGo image search, and you will find one of the more repellent images. It will scar your eyes of him and Kimberly lying on a bearskin rug. In in what looks like a Trump room, like gilded, yeah, it looked like they were selling the hotel chandeliers. It's right. vile, and that's it our really progressive is. blue state champion. With you know, look at our homeless crisis, homelessness crisis, our income disparity. I mean, he's handled some things I think quite well in comparison to the rest of the country with COVID, sort of. Although you know, as you said, it's all half measures, and then it's all window dressed with this sort of like tokenism of. Yes, we believe in gay marriage, and yes, we believe in, you know, Black Lives Matter, and, you know, we're still going to suck the balls of all of our corporate donors. Right. You know, it's interesting to me because $15 an hour is not a metric that we should even be, because it's, it's laughable. Yeah. It should be fight for 30. That's my strong opinion. Yes. I mean, when I was working part-time in college back in the early 90s, I was making $16 an hour. So right. how many years ago was that? Are you serious? Fight for 15? Yeah. Give me a break. And, and you say. also have to consider when they do finally pass fight for 15, it's like going to be like a seven-year phase yeah, in or something. Yeah, it, it's so it's going to be year. so far yeah. behind, it's, it's yeah. ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, also, I want to mention, I am not particularly moved by the idea that the Biden administration has a uh, half-child poverty. I know that that's oh the claim they make. Oh, my God. But I think it's, it bears to know that the number they're looking at is 28 k a year for a family of four. In the city of Los Angeles, that it's is beyond livable. poverty. Yeah. It's not livable. You can't pay rent yeah. food on that. And again, as we know, that that claim was predicated on guaranteeing a $15 minimum wage nationwide. And the day that they came out and said that they weren't going to fight for 15 and they were going to you know, bend over for the parliamentarian they just wiped that little data point off of the study that said that these policies right. would, you know, the child but, tax credit and everything. They just wiped it away, but and yet still said, even without fifteen dollars minimum wage, we've, we're still having child poverty. But, so it's all. Bogus. But they haven't. Yeah, I mean, I think. Sorry, it, it, I can't. No, twenty-eight k a year. Twenty-eight k a year. I think people need to really realize that there's a reason they're not mentioning that number because nobody in their right mind is going to go twenty-eight k a year for a family four is livable. No one. Still poverty. Right. Go. I was just going to add to what she was saying and say it's even worse because when she says they they just removed the uh, the fifteen dollar minimum wage and said it still uh, cuts child poverty in half. Well, it wasn't just the administration that said that. The people that actually made the study without restudying just said the numbers still work the same without fifteen dollar minimum wage in there, which I, makes yeah. you question the entire study. Yeah. Was it crafted from the start right. to come out with? Oh, it's it. Cuts child poverty in half. Yeah. That was the whole point from the start. And right, they would have right. get there. They would have gotten there anyway. Yeah. It's all headlines. They're just gonna yeah. say the words and then and by the right. way, and this I will say that it's depressing to me that Bernie does repeat this un skeptically that you know that they've done more to that they've cut child poverty in half in spite of that. And it is it's just not true. Yeah. It's just not true. Yeah. Rokana. Lila. So that one's a little bit hard for me because I think he has some really good positions, foreign policy positions. I like that he was a supporter of Bernie Sanders out early, right? Um, but I do think that he is a, um, he's not exactly a class traitor. <laughs> he, you know, he's walking in a different path than a lot of his supporters and a lot of the working class. And I think that for the most part, he comes out on the right side. But I think, you know, anytime a one of the people who's labeled progressive 
comes out strong in support of Biden, I think that person is doing us a disservice because what you're doing is softening the trying to like uh, lower the expectations. Yeah. For the liberals out there, and, I, that, I agree. and to me, that's really uh, unfortunate. And, and then it's like a little bit you're our enemy, unfortunately. Like, well, yeah. let me say this: Rokata has a district that includes Silicon Valley. So again, he's born of Silicon Valley. He's, and he's a, a capitalist to the core, which yeah. is always going to rub progressives wrong. Yeah. That's so, what are your what is your opinion? Sell out or not? Um, so with Ro. So as, as a spokesperson for Bernie, I was always very disappointed. I, I thought he did a, a pretty poor job as a Bernie spokesperson. And it comes down to the same thing. So Bernie's core message was Medicare for all, if you boil it down. Like the one thing we should all have is Medicare for all because it's, it's equalizing for humanity. You take that off the table and, you know, it's a big thing. You're stuck with your jobs with health care. You can't leave your job. So you have no... Anyway, we all know that argument. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> during... Uh, during Bernie's campaign, Roe was saying he, he would be okay with his other health care proposals, which undercut his own right. campaign. His, Bernie's core message was undercut regularly by Roe Khanna himself. AOC did that too. Remember when she said that, oh, if we have to take a public option or if we don't get all of Medicare for all, it's kind of... Yeah, Roe was yeah. even saying he would support some of these other bills that were before the House yeah. at the time. So it yeah. wasn't even single... It wasn't right. even something close to Medicare uh, for all. He was already yeah. advertising the compromise. Right, <laughs> right, right. All right. So it, in your opinion, who is the most progressive politician in the state of California? Good God. <laughs> okay, well, you, you, know, you know how you can know? It's the person they're trying to redistrict to give her the boot. Nithya... Um, L.A. has the most powerful city council in the country. They oversee housing, homelessness, police, traffic, energy, a $10 billion budget, and so much more. They work behind closed doors, they make deals with special interests, and they've sold the city out from under us. What could we have instead? Rent forgiveness. A guaranteed lawyer if you're facing eviction. Community access centers for homeless services. Clean elections. Public broadband. A real Green New Deal that creates good union jobs. Taking money out of criminalization and putting it into care. City council could do it all, but they've chosen not to. Just by running, Nithya Raman's campaign has pushed LA towards some of its most progressive policies ever. How? She brings people in. She turns residents into volunteers and volunteers into grassroots power. Nithya was born in India. She has a master's in urban planning from MIT and has spent her life as a fierce advocate for her community. She co-founded a homeless services nonprofit and she was director of Time's Up Entertainment, all while raising twins. You know, they're trying to redistrict and take it away so that she doesn't even have, she, and she won, I think, with more votes than... What, what is, so explain, for people who don't know who this is, okay. what district so she, is she, what's the situation? I, she was my district. Uh, I voted for her proudly. Very progressive, very left. Bernie supporter. So this um, is the area that includes part of San Fernando Valley. It does, but then I also think, you know, because of how the weird gerrymandering and the districts are created, I think if you looked at her district on a map, it it's like slivers throughout all of Los Angeles County, and they're trying to, you know, pick away at that. And you know who's trying to pick away at it, of course. It's not the Republicans. You know, it was but like I Hillary do, Clinton came like out, her. yeah, yeah like in support her. of her opposition, right? Oh, and Bernie came out for her. So it's always like the big party players. And, yeah. 
So I think that's a good pick. What's your I, pick? I don't have one. I'm just going to say it right now. I, if you're a Democrat in California, you you got your position because you're not progressive. I mean, I think we're at that point. They'll okay, put so much fair. effort to stop you from from gaining power in the okay. state. You have no chance, and there's so much money available to somebody to stop a progressive. Right, right. All right. So who now? Of course, then the next big question is. L.A. County or L.A. Uh, City of L.A. Uh, we're going to have a new mayor. Yep. Soon, uh, Karen Bass has thrown her hat into the ring. Um, who do you perceive as getting into the ring to run for uh, L.A. City Mayor? I mean, unfortunately, so Karen Bass is one of the people who was put up there as a progressive when Biden was picking his VP. Um, you know, there's a list of things that I would take exception to. She might be one of the better people right now, but if she has a hope of winning, then anything that I probably approve of her policy-wise is going to get softened or the teeth will come out of it. And so, I don't know. I mean, I'm sort of with Pat and you also, I know you agree, but like uh, in order to succeed here, you really have to serve the donor class, unfortunately. So I don't know. What do you think? I'm going to give you a little pushback Oh, good, please. I'm going to give you a little pushback out. I don't think you have to. I think they're choosing to. I think, especially the city of Los Angeles, there is a lot of real estate developer money up for grabs at play. I think it's what motivates a lot of the policies that we have here. Mm-hmm. I think it's why we're spending $450,000 in one night to deal with the homeless situation. When for that one night of $450,000 ate up by the LAPD, we could have built a building to put these folks in. Right. So um, it is what it is. I would say that Karen Bass isn't the worst politician. Also, not the best politician. She is still a politician, yeah, yeah. Uh, and she's not of the new breed of, right? you know, she does things a little bit old school. She'll, you know, horse trade and do these things. Um, I do think she's better than Eric Garcetti. Yes. But again, not an ideal progressive candidate. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm waiting to see who else is going to run for this position. We'll make a decision then. But yeah, it is what I went it is. to college with Eric Garcetti. You went to college with Eric Garcetti? I did. Where did he go to college? I Columbia, in New York. Oh, okay. Yeah. And when I was waiting tables and he was off on his Rhodes Scholarship, he'd come back in and say, oh, do you ever regret that you wanted to come out here and be an actress? Because clearly I was still slinging hash while he was with this fancy, fancy okay, guy. Okay, but Eric Garcetti tried to be an actor. Do people not know this about Eric Garcetti? I did not oh, know I that. Oh, I have some old headshots of him somewhere on my desktop. Oh, oh yes, he definitely go. tried to be. Like, that's just L.A. Yeah. I mean, right. come on. Man. Yeah. That's, that's not really a difference. He did not have to wait tables with me, though. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had a different path. But I, didn't Eric have some family money or no? Oh, yeah. I yeah, think okay, so. I mean, so Gil Garcetti, right, was the uh, DA when he was. I think he oh, comes from right. a yeah. polit- politic family. Yeah. That's right. All right. So let's shift gears. And I'm going to have one more topic on California okay. politicians just because I think it's important. We have faced a rash of recall campaigns in the state. They're mainly being financed and put forth by extreme right-wingers. You know, we have one group of individuals that were responsible for not only the recall Newsom campaign, also recall Gascon, who is the other district attorney, and several others. I think they put in 13 or 14 recall petitions uh, with the state and secretary of state. So they're just, you know, throwing everything out the wall and seeing what sticks. Having said that, um, I will say... Nobody good ran against Newsom. I think if a really solid progressive had thrown their hat in the ring, it would have been very problematic for for, uh, Gavin. Um, I think he won only because there are a bunch of lunatics running against him. I think it's obvious to me that obviously this was very much a right-wing thing that was put forth, but there's no way you get that many million signatures 
on a petition unless there are some members of the Democratic Party who are unhappy. Or who are unhappy. Yeah. And un- unfortunately, I think what they're going to do is take the, the fact that these recalls are happening from the right and say, you know, as a party, we need to start appeasing people on the right a little more. So the, the effect will yes. be the opposite of what we would like. We would That's like, a fair point. We would like it to shift us left However, to... to um, to appease their constituents, but they will go the other way with it as an excuse. Maybe only. yes, I think that's a very strong possibility. But I also know that the Gavin recall Gavin people understood that there was very little empathy for him from the progressive left in the state because not only the fracking, but a million other things that he has not fulfilled campaign wise, progressive policy wise. Right. Because of that, they were concerned that there would be very low voter turnout. Right. And low voter turnout generally uh, ends up benefiting the Republicans in the state. Right, right. This was a very valid concern of them. And, you know, they said that they would be making calls and responses from progressives like, yeah, really move him left and maybe I'll consider lifting a finger to help but him. But don't they always say that heading towards an election? Right. That's when I mean, when has and any- did, I would say he did move left there for a few months. Yeah. I mean, I doubt we would have seen a 70 percent drop in oil gas permits right. in the state had he not been on a recall. Right. And that was one of the big problems the progressives were having with them. They were calling him, you know, mother, mother fracking. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But the minute they were <laughs> able to, uh, once they realized the tactic of smearing a single person on the right as a fascist, that's better than Trump. It was all about stopping him again. <laughs> yeah. And so he, all the policy talking and, and he went out the door once they knew they could do that. It absolutely was. This is why I'm saying I think it would be, would have been different if there had been a strong progressive who had run. But they, but they even, were all yeah. terrible candidates. Yeah. I'm sorry. Even the ones that were running as Democrat, right. you had that one guy that was self-identifying by self-identifying himself as a landlord whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding That's me, awesome. Dan? Yeah. Like, yeah. please go run as the GOP. I don't even want to know who you no are. No one had a chance. Well, and the yeah, fact that, there, that the whole uh, strategy was to tell people don't even vote in the second tier. It's just just vote no on the recall. Don't even pick a second. I don't know who was giving that strategy, but I will say without equivocation, that's what I did because I was my hair was on fire at that entire list of candidates. I I mean, I voted for the socialist. I was like, you know, was there even a there was there was a socialist who was endorsed, I think, by the um, yeah, the world socialist, you know, like and I listened to him speak and I agreed with things that he said, but he didn't have. Of course, he wasn't going to win, but I just kind of wanted something to be. I don't know. Some I opinion of mine to be noticed. Part a little bit. All right. That's fair. That's fair. All right. So. But wait, can I just say also, I think what's happening right now in Virginia, they're doing the same thing with uh, Terry McAuliffe. And they are, he's running on almost nothing except for, oh, the other guy, the Republican, is the Trump guy. And it's, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out because I think the Democratic base was really encouraged by what happened here in California and felt like, oh, look, we can have Gavin Newsom who listens to our, you know, donors and all that. And I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. Here's what the one percenters, the platonomy isn't quite getting into their heads yet. And this is where we're headed because they keep doing what you're doing, saying right now, they're doing this thing over and over again. They're not providing a left exit to the income inequality that absolutely needs to be addressed. The civil unrest, the anger, I'm, the things that we've been seeing increasing, not just January 6th, but in many instances, yeah. that's going to keep getting worse. Yeah. So is. at some point, that's going to harm them as well. An increase in crime because of the income inequality yeah. will eventually affect them. So it's a, it's a bad proposition that they're not addressing 
the obvious thing. Which is why they're accelerating the climate change, right? right? (laughs) Well, but the issue is in the midterms, uh, Democrats are going to lose their power. So now we have to be able... I think that's a distinct possibility. They'll just ride this out until they can put it on the Republicans. And on that note, in fact, before I get to our next recall uh, candidate, on that note, um, Richie Torres was on MSNBC this past week calling Biden the most progressive president ever, which is motherfucking, pardon my French, ridiculous. You were in this meeting with President Biden yesterday, the meeting with progressives. We've obviously been talking about this more optimistic tone from party leaders about the state of negotiations here. How would you characterize uh, the attitude of your fellow progressives about these negotiations and how close you might be to getting something like a deal? Well, the Progressive Caucus is enormously grateful to President Biden, who's emerged as the most progressive president in the history of the United States. Uh, He's a man on a mission. He's intent on passing not one, but two of the largest infrastructure investments in American history. Are you kidding me? Are you really going to argue that Joe Biden is more progressive than FDR? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And, you know, it goes back, I think, to what Pat's saying also, is because what's going to happen is he's going to lose everything in the midterms, then he's going to lose... And they're going to blame it on him being too progressive. See, that's exactly what I think as well. I think (laughs) they're setting up the narrative right now... We've been in this game too long. We know exactly exactly what's going to happen. I'm so jaded. It's so frustrating. Yeah. So I I do think that's what there's because there's absolutely no reason Richie Torres would make this argument unless they were setting it up for this to be the case. They already know they're going to take a beating. Yeah. Um. All right. Next recall candidate. I want your opinion on George Gascon. He is our district attorney. He is very much more progressive than Jackie Lacey that was here previously. She was very much a hard right law and order person, even though she was a Democrat. Um, This was an individual that would not prosecute an LAPD officer that was clearly guilty of murder. Even Beck, who was the police chief at the time, said, no, he needs to be he needs to be prosecuted. So Gascon, who came in, uh, ran on as a very progressive D.A., uh, he's also an ex-cop. He's from San Francisco. He was a district attorney up in San Francisco. Uh, He won the election resoundly. Right. Right. So now everybody on the right is saying that we have an uptick in crime because of Gascon. That is absurd. It's, of course we have an uptick in crime. You, peeped, you haven't been giving anybody UBI. They've been cooped up from COVID. The income inequality is outrageous. A $15 minimum hour wage isn't going to hack right. it. The amount of people unemployed because of like of course there's an uptick in yeah. crime. This isn't this is not a big crazy thing. And yet, why are you blaming Gascon? Yeah, and and it, and yes, there's an uptick in crime from last year when everybody mm. was quarantined and there were sort of lockdowns. It's not if you look at the trajectory over the last I think 20 years, it is not actually it is to oh, 2019, yeah. it, it, but it's not it's actually not an uptick for in 20 crime. years. I agree with you on that. Um, that so that's, that's more propaganda, you. you know. Right. Oh, it it's is. totally propaganda. There's no choice about it. But right. I think it extends further than propaganda because it's it's not just the pro police union that's right. making these arguments. Although Lapple is very much behind this, right? Yeah, I don't think it's going to even get off the ground. Yeah. Um, well, it's just wedge issues. It, it, all, it always comes down to these being wedge issues that are built around social things that Republicans are tough on crime, Democrats are weak on crime. Anything that pushes that narrative from either direction, both stupid. parties will latch on to because they can raise money on it. Blame the other guy. I don't think that's true anymore because I think the tough on crime, uh, you know, we've had that for 25 years now and it hasn't produced better results. We have a higher incarceration rate than China does. We don't have more crime here than China does. We just have a higher... Yeah, I mean, no, it, it's, so, it's not true, but it will always true. raise money from people because the public isn't caught up to the truth of these... I, I hear you. Matters. I just I think there is a shift that's happening. Um, let me ask so, you yeah. 
Let me ask you this. Chase Boudin, who is the district in attorney San in San Francisco, right. um, this this individual truly is a progressive uh, You're right. uh, DA. He was a public defender for years. He is the son of two Weather Underground yep. members. Uh, all the kids will have to right. duck, duck, go what, a little yeah. bit about that. <laughs> Didn't one of them just get out recently or something? Um, David Gilbert, his father, is is they, he's not out yet, I don't think, but there's there definitely, life. he was right, right. serving a lifetime sentence. Right. He's a political prisoner, in my opinion. Right. Yep. I'm um, and anybody that wants to learn more about Chesa, I actually interviewed T- Chesa last year, so you can go back through the podcast episodes and find that one. He's a very interesting guy. Yeah. Um, if you were going to compare Chesa Boudin to George Gascon, what do you think some of the main differences are? Because I do think there are differences there. I'll leave that to you because I'm from from the. I don't. I know very little, if anything, about Gascon being from. Um, and I'm, I'm not as knowledgeable as you are. I do know that Gascon had somebody running to his left, and she was... That's correct. Yeah. So, I... Uh, yeah. yeah. I actually voted for her in the Me party. too. Chesa is a true progressive, I also interviewed her, too, so if anybody wants to hear from Oh, good. Yeah, good. Um, he is a true progressive, and I think that he... Or true left. I don't know. They've, God, they've ruined, they've ruined so many You can't even say me. progressive now anymore. <laughs> no. it's, it's, um, I was... I would call him a criminal justice reformer. Yes, I think that's Regardless of whether you're, you're on the left or the right. I think this is a guy that understands that locking people up on a first strike for pot is stupid. Yeah. It's not... We're there just, has to be a major spending, overhaul. Yeah. Um, having poor people remain in jail because they're too poor to post a bond is absolutely an affront to our justice system. You're criminalizing poverty there. Criminalizing not, poverty. These are people that have never been convicted of a crime yet. They've, they're yeah, in jail. You need bail reform, yeah. obviously. I mean, there's it's, so many reforms that are so many necessary. reforms that are necessary. Uh, and I do think Chesa understands yeah. these problems mm-hmm. really deeply. Uh, and then we have companies who refuse to pay a living wage using prison labor. Remember when Michael Bloomberg used prison labor to do, to do yeah. his robocalls? So we are. I mean, we're, it's like we're creating a slave class, right? Oh, no, that's yeah. already been created. I mean, I mean but, or it's even, continuing. Like, I mean, yeah. Kamala Harris defended yeah. this when she was our, our state attorney. That's right. Not just the firefighters. She was concerned about all of it because she realized so much of the state economy depends on relied yeah. on the, the cheap right. prison labor, not just yeah. the firefighters, which is just a grotesque. It's grotesque immoral thing in yeah, my opinion absolutely. Um, so I mean I'm glad that we're seeing some shifting in these conversations I would say Gascon is not as much of a reformer as Chase, Chase Abudin yeah. is I, I, would, I, agree. I would say that I agree um, I do think he's a massive improvement from Jackie Lacey yes. I do not want to see Gascon recalled at all right um, but we'll see yeah we'll see what happens and maybe it will push him I mean I think you're right though it always pushes the people to the right the party is the party. I, I, well, hey, I think. you know I think that has been true historically yeah. I don't think it's continuing to be true yeah. going forward I am seeing a shift yeah. that's all I'm at saying. least in pockets I think you're I right. think people are more aware yeah and they're a little bit more jaded to that because they've they, it's a, it's a cycle that never just right. keeps repeating and yeah. nothing improves yeah. right I I would say on a local level they are but when it comes to national politics like the They'll always be able to fear monger national politics. So we just gave more money. Getting to Biden to go left, right, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. They'll, they'll run on the fear of another Trump 2.0, which will be a valid fear. I was well, hey, thing. Trump That's 2.0 actually might end up being Trump. Yeah, exactly. no, exactly. Make America <laughs> yeah. great again, again, again. again. Yeah, <laughs> the comedy just breaks. Can someone sense. hire? Yes. Uh, anyway, at least they're terrible at <laughs> marketing. But, <laughs> Oh yeah! Make America great again, terminally. Electric, electric, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. Megan. Yes. Yeah. Let's print some t-shirts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my God. All right, 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 right. That's really good stuff. Um. All right. So, last question. Who's the worst politician in the state of California? And I know that's a tough competition. It's tough, but I'd have to go with Nancy Pelosi just because she has the most uh, power right now in the halls of Congress. And she is a disgusting disaster. She's one of the richest members of Congress. Apparently, there's a group on TikTok, and I wish I'd. They follow her buys and sells uh, of the stock market because she's obviously inside trading, as many members of Congress are. I mean, she is corrupt to the core. She has no... Uh, no connection to the left base and and she doesn't care about them at all. She has everything she she can do to crush them. I find her odious on every level. So I'm going to piggyback on that just because I have a good excuse to, it gives me an opportunity to uh, promote my event this weekend, uh, next Saturday. We are protesting outside of Nancy Pelosi's house. Oh, you are? Okay. In uh, San Francisco. Um, It's the Day of the Dead March. Uh, It's going to recognize the over 60,000 people that die every year from lack of health care. Before COVID. That was before COVID. Who knows what the numbers are now? They say it's a third of COVID deaths can be blamed on us not having Medicare for all. So it's it's about 330,000 people died since March 2020 because she and her buddies decided not to help us all get health care. And so if if you look at the video archives... uh, Pelosi seemed like AOC in the beginning of her career. She's on video saying, we need to bring Medicare for all for a vote. Not Medicare for all, but single payer for a vote. We have the votes. Can we get a vote? Can we force a vote? And now you're literally the Speaker of the House and you're not putting it up for a vote. But she is a hundred millionaire. Oh, easily. She has a winery up in Napa, too. Yeah. Interesting. All right. right, So that's the end of the uh, California... Sell out or not section, I did want to bring up one more topic uh, that's got nothing to do with this. And that is today, Noam Chomsky is getting dragged on Twitter for something that I don't think he should be dragged for. I agree with what he said 100%. um, And it shouldn't be controversial. And it sure as hell shouldn't be controversial on the left, in my opinion. And that is the vaccine mandate. I am appalled at how people are comparing a vaccine mandate to things like Nazi Germany. It's appalling. This is not a genocide. I am appalled that people are comparing a vaccine mandate, a mandate to my body, my choice as an abortion slogan. I'll tell you what folks, when my abortion is contagious and is a deadly virus and can affect you, you can talk to me about that slogan. That is ridiculous. Um, My thing is this. If you choose not to get a vaccine and you want to run around without a mask, you are a self-absorbed individual. This has got nothing to do with medical tyranny at all. It's you being too selfish to give a shit about anybody else. These vaccines are entirely safe for most people. And your decision not to get one and then to go out and spread your virus is very selfish because you're affecting everybody around you, not just you. It is that straightforward and simple. So if you don't want to get a vaccine, fine. Stay the fuck home. Straight up. Your opinions. Okay. On a personal level, I'm with you. I'm a germaphobe from way back. So, like, I was built for this pandemic. It's shoes off, hands washed in my house. I don't know anybody who isn't vaccinated. I certainly wouldn't hang out with anybody who's not vaccinated. I think if our administration wanted to fix this problem then they would enact emergency Medicare for all and take away all profit motives 
from the vaccine. And right now, even though the vaccine's free, healthcare isn't. COVID, you know, if you, if you have long-term COVID, if you have to be hospitalized, people are still getting bills. People do not have a relationship with their doctors. We see that Pfizer and every big pharma uh, company has had to pay out millions, billions of dollars previously from lies of claims, right? Whether it's the talcum powder with J&J or it's Merck, and I don't remember what, or it's Pfizer with the patch to help you stop smoking, which actually helps cause cancer. There is a reason that people are skeptical about these big companies. And if we wanted to help people have some trust for this medicine, which I agree with you, I was one of the first people in line. I am double vaxxed. We know it works because the richest and most repellent people in the world are hoarding it for themselves. Right. So they wouldn't be doing that if it were not effective or at least if they didn't believe it were. I think that's, you know, but um, but I think there are ways that we could deal with it without just demonizing people who are scared. I'm going to give you some pushback. OK. On that. And I honestly don't care if people get angry at me about this yeah. issue because I have had a problem with anti-vaxxers for decades now. Yeah. They brought back measles 10 years yeah. ago for no reason yeah. at all. Do I think there is corruption in the pharmaceutical industry? unequivocally yes of course there is right. should we do something about it yes that doesn't translate however into all of science a hundred percent being wrong that i mean do you really not you i'm saying yeah. you as a yeah do you folks really believe that every scientist out there that works in medical re- right. uh, bio- biological research is in on some corrupt thing to get right. you sick and kill you that's ridiculous right. but yeah. i would i would say the one thing that i i think people like kind of sort of conflate into this is the fact that most of these things were researched by government spending that's the other thing this isn't pharmaceutical money researching this stuff it's the government it's taxpayer dollars it's the german government whatever right and the problem i have is that they are socializing the research and they're capitalizing the profits so then they get to keep the patents and they get all the money and they don't give anything back i have a problem with this i do however that doesn't mean that vaccines right that doesn't mean that any of the anti-vaccine rhetoric that is completely baseless is true right so i understand that we're at a place in society now where we need to correct the things that have led to mass conspiracy theories being accepted as truth it is a problem it is a problem however i don't think placating these individuals solves the problem yeah so I'm in the middle of you two on this. This, <laughs> issue. this is the perfect situation. Wrong. So, wait, where's the dog? Wait, wait. Agree with me. One, two, three. <laughs> Wrong. Again. Uh, Let's make a T-shirt. I really, I really feel like the first step. So I'm personally, I, I won't go someplace that that isn't checking people's cards. Or I, I want, either. I want to know that this this is a safe, safe place. Yeah. So I understand that completely. But I also understand the skepticism. I understand demonizing all these people who have a right to not trust the government and not trust they, big pharma. Hang on. They have a right to not trust the government. They don't have a right to go out and infect right. everybody so, else. So let me, let me finish. Let me finish this. So <laughs> to me, the first critical step before you necessarily need a mass mandate, I mean a, a COVID ma- vaccination mandate, it's ridiculous to not have a mask mandate because right. that is I doing agree. that is imposing nothing on your body so that argument it's is ridiculous. off the table. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But if you can't, so take take uh, Sacramento. Sacramento's a uh, very democratic region. 
But our sheriff is Republican. We've had a Republican sheriff for decades. And the first thing they do when they say, uh, okay, there's a mask mandate for the state or there's a mask mandate for Sacramento, is the sheriffs go out public and say, we're not enforcing it. Mm-hmm. So same essentially it LA. doesn't exist. Alex Villanueva did the yeah. same thing. Right. So. so without enforcement. It doesn't exist. It's toothless. But so, also, but you're that, right. That needs to happen, in my view, before you yeah. go to a vaccine mandate. I mean... I, I, think, I think we need both. I, I do, know. too. And, and other MPIs. I mean, the fact that they are... Listen, vaccinated people can spread this, right? So Absolutely. as soon as they say... No, that's the thing. No vaccine is 100% efficacious. Anybody that doesn't understand right. that doesn't understand biology. So that's square one. So when Biden said, take off the masks, or when Fauci last year, when they knew it was aerosolized, they knew it because they knew it in Asia and they were yeah, all wearing masks, right? So like... That was... That was yeah, mm-hmm. put on a mask. Yeah. How about we all have rapid home testing for free? That would be enough. You know, there are yeah. lots of different things that could be put in oh, place. Oh, I agree with you there. So I when agree. they only focus just on the one part that's going to make these companies billions of dollars, because even though it's free for us, they're getting money from the government. It's not like free. They're not doing it out of their own, you know, heart. Um, and, oh, they're, and, and they're not waiving the patent. They are muddying their own message. Oh, but, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. They should force. They should. They yeah. should force to wave the pen. I don't think that's up. Yeah, to I agree. But but yeah, get a fucking vaccine, yeah. people. What are you doing? Yeah, don't go to the hospital. And, and the the allowance to um, have these the, the virus mutate more to be stronger oh, to work against it. Like these things are very deadly. Uh, we need to stop this. Yeah. And it's so anyway. All right. I agree. Where can folks find your podcast if they want to subscribe? Let's get that information out there. Uh, we're on YouTube at Punch Up Pod. Punch Up Pod, so P U N C H. Like punch U-P. up, punch don't up punch down. We pod. always punch up the people in power. That's okay. the goal. Punch up. And uh, we've recently taken a turn to have the show be a little bit more fun. So we have a Wednesdays at five. Wednesdays at five. Live. Yeah. Wednesdays five live, live on five. YouTube. On YouTube. Yes. Yep. And uh, Lila, what's yep. your Twitter handle? Uh, at Lila C. Lee. My last name, L-E-I-G-H. Lila C. Lee. Lila Charles Lee. Yeah. At Pat the Burner, which yeah. makes me a simp, of course, still for burning. Um, <laughs> I always wait. Do I change that? Is it, it going to mean something to people? Maybe it, you should change it to, I think I'm still a simp for burning. <laughs> but I'm not. But I am. But yes. So, Pat the Burner. Right on. All right. Thanks for uh, joining us Thank today. Thank you for having us.